0: It's a pleasure to have on the show today, Barry Beats, the legend, the man, the myth, call him what you want. It's great to have you here, Barry. Um, how are you doing today? Great to be here, yeah. Pretty good, pretty good. Excellent. So, yeah, we were going to get you on with um, Cy on the last episode, but unfortunately we couldn't, so it's, it really appreciate you finding the time to do it today. Um, All good. So what would be really good would be just to jump straight in and kind of try and understand um how you got into beat making really because i believe Cy si was there in the early days of it kind of helping you kind of kick start your journey yeah well i mean uh he'd been into it for years and years
1: and i've sort of always just been in the background a little bit sort of you know shadowing him in a sense kind of see him almost like as uh my beat making spirit animal sort of thing nice. so uh, yeah so uh yeah very
0: very much inspired and similar tastes Almost, I would say, identical taste. Yeah, I think with the, I think his style kind of really shows in in how you produce. Did it take a lot to pick up the beat making? Uh,
1: well, I mean, I'm not. The thing is, even though I'm kind of on YouTube sharing my knowledge and, uh, you know, teaching production techniques and stuff, I'm actually pretty hopeless at technology. You know, wow. I'm one of those people, I, I know exactly what I want to be able to do, but don't really bother myself with all the other bells and whistles if you know what Mm. i mean it's like you know with sample based production i mean the long and short of it is all it really comes down to is uh start points you know chopping sample start points you know and, and end points and just you know it's not like maybe uh dance music or techno music where a lot of sophisticated synthesizer modulating and mm. arpeggiating and all that kind of business it's kind of just chopping samples up but obviously the scope there to be as creative as you want is there and you know and obviously i'm taking it an extra step with layering moon keyboards and you know i'm obviously into the virtual instruments now and and just you know Mega chopping, shall we say? So I'll ch- chop something. I'll, I'll fill like two. I've got two 88 key keyboards just so I can load both 88 keys up with with samples. Um, so yeah, I probably take it a bit to the extreme. But yeah, I mean, I guess I just took to it naturally. um Thing is, with production, it is a lot of it is just it's kind of your ear. I've always said the main thing is training your ear and just having mm. a love for music. Uh, I've always had that love for music and um, yeah, I think when you're starting off making beats, you know, you might have the, the best taste in music, you might have a great record collection and you, you might know the stuff to sample, but if you're struggling with the technical side of it, then it's always going to, that's going to kind of interfere with the, uh, the, the, the quick inspirational sort of yeah. aspect you know you, you need to get those ideas out really quickly so uh learning a bit of equipment and finding some a workflow that works for you is is vital and i guess that's why a lot of people you know you still see people now working on you know bits of kit from the the 80s and 90s sp 1200s mm. and MPCs. uh i guess it's because it's like it's they're not getting their minds not getting blown with like you know hundreds of different plugins and sort of you know a screen full of stuff it's just
0: like whatever works for you i find that's that's be my thing yeah um, that's that's really interesting because it's kind of the power of limitation isn't it well
1: people say that i mean you know that that is the classic thing of i like the limitations of 10 second sample time and I mean it's not for me to say that that's not a you know good for you because if that works for you and you're really pushing yourself fantastic for me I guess the difference is you know I was dabbling on those machines back in those in that time and I was always frustrated that I you know I always wanted more sample time and I just think of the stuff you can do now I wouldn't have even dreamt that you could do the uh, the incredible stuff you do now I mean you know, most people have on their computer the sort of technology that would have been in a multi, multi million pound studio in the nineteen eighties. It's nuts.
0: Yeah, um Cy mentioned a similar thing with with regards to DJ technology in the last episode. Yeah. yeah. It, it is a really good point. Um speaking of DJing, like you've done some mixes that are on your band camp as well, haven't you? I have,
1: yeah. And I did the uh the back-to-back mix mm-hmm. on the YouTube. Um, again, that was a bit of a well lockdown mission, shall we say? I mean, obviously, lockdown brought brought everyone out or put all the DJs out, didn't it? <laughs> and uh, you know, couldn't couldn't move for a uh, live DJ set. Oh yes. So I kind of inspired by that. I thought, well, I mean, I've always thought with uh, Serato, you know, I see Serato almost as being a. An extension of of a sampler you know you can trigger samples Mm. on there you can manipulate them it's probably better than the samplers i was using back in the day you know um so it was always my idea to kind of demonstrate what you could do because even you know even if i'm djing i will loop stuff and kind of make tracks on the fly you know if i bring an old record in i'll sort of chop up the uh, id points And sort of program it up and I could program drums over stuff and all that kind of stuff. So I thought, why not uh, try and plan like the ultimate sort of break DJ set? And then I thought to myself, well, you know, I've I've always been into cut and paste. I've got the Death Star one and I've got the um, Fly Like a Seagull. So I thought, well, let's finish it off. Let's make it a holy trinity of cut and pastes. Uh, So I thought, what else can I do? You know, the first one, the Fly Like a Seagull was basically i think i got like the world record or whatever for the most amount of samples in you know in a in a composition oh wow uh, according to grand slam magazine um i'm standing by that i mean we're talking layered because obviously a lot of it was programmed so there'd be layered kicks and i think i was up to i don't know three or four hundred different samples in there so um it was quite a few. So I did that one and then obviously took the the mantle of the Star Wars, which I always wanted to do, like the ultimate Star Wars uh, mashup up um, homage, being a big Star Wars fan. Again, that took forever to do. And um, so I thought, what can I do next? And I, the only thing I could do next, I thought, was to uh, try and do one live, you know, to actually, with the help of Serato, mm-hmm. plan a live cut-and-paste mix Um with all the spoken word and just a a mashup of breaks and beats and bits and ideas. So the planning that went into it, you don't even want to know (laughs) it was, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, put it this way. Lockdown was almost over by the time I've pulled it off. So yeah, (laughs) missed the boat a little bit. Um, but, uh, I'm glad I did it. It was a lot of effort. I don't know if I could have been more productive doing other things, but, um, I've kind of got it out of my system now. So to go through the, 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 different processes, I mean, process number one, dig through, find a load of crazy records that had to be so obscure they weren't going to get flagged by the old uh, YouTube content ID. So my first mission was to uh, source a load of samples, upload them to do sort of, you know, 30 seconds of each, upload it onto my YouTube and see which ones got flagged.
0: Yeah and 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 this is this is something I've read about and this is this is a good bit of information for DJs that mm-hmm. are wanting to mi- put a mix on YouTube isn't it that's kind of your benchmark yes. way to check if they'll get flagged
1: Yeah there was a link that I got sent to like a a, a site that supposedly would tell you whether it was on the lists um but a few of those that got flagged weren't on that list so it's it's not 100% and I didn't want to risk I didn't want to risk doing this whole mix and then suddenly it got flagged and a bit got cut out or yeah. couldn't monetize it or whatever so yeah so I was very careful from the outset to make sure that everything was flying under the radar and it not not even so much a, uh, a, a sort of a consideration of getting stuff pulled um, or getting a flag or anything it was also I just wanted the most obscure stuff that no one that wasn't even on youtube you mm. know so a lot of that stuff isn't on youtube Uh, so yeah i dug pretty deep in the crates um so i did that first of all so then i had a list maybe 80 records or so and the only way i was going to pull it off live was to get them to be on a grid at least to get them in time yeah so then i had to literally you're talking like 70 or 80 songs i had to warp in time wow and uh yeah (laughs) so uh Yeah, so that way, you know, you can loop little bits because, you know, this is before I'd even planned any of the mix. I had some ideas of things I wanted to try out and things I thought might go together well. But um, I thought there's no way I can even start, you know, experimenting and planning this mix out if, you know, things are not going to be able to loop properly or they're going to, you know, if I'm going to pull this off in one shot, you know, I can't be sort of feathering the uh, pitch or anything like that. Um, so, uh, So, yeah, that was the next step. And actually, it was really good because it it taught me some really good techniques for warping. Um, I was always pretty good with warping. For anyone who's not aware or not familiar with warping, it's um, the Ableton sort of uh, pitch and time manipulating um, tool. So it, it enables you to put little markers and squeeze, extract and basically get music on a grid or just move bits of it's, it's like elastic audio it was called in pro tools but it's, mm. it's basically it makes your audio elastic you can stretch it and make it fit um whatever you want really uh so yeah i did that um and i kind of learned and again i got a little bit anal on some of it because there's different algorithms yeah different uh, what are they called uh, yeah sort of it's complex complex probe mm. beat melody so i wouldn't just choose the best one i'd like uh, record off maybe three or four complex pro being maybe the best one but whenever there was a bit of flam in or a bit of something else i'd drop in another bit so i was comping wow so <laughs> so because i really wanted the quality to be good i didn't want it to sound because bearing in mind even though uh is pretty good when it comes to pitching stuff out and up and down you're still getting a little bit of artifact from time stretching so i didn't want to add the warping of ableton and the serato uh, pitching i didn't want to you know, yeah. I didn't want anything sounding too phasey or flammy. So. I mean,
0: this is the, this is the kind of the, the DJing equivalent of when we were talking to Sai. he was talking about how he'd spend like a day just working on one snare drum. So I think you must have this kind of like obsessive detail that runs in the family or something. Yeah, definitely
1: some kind of spectrum. You know, I think we're on maybe on the beat spectrum. You know. <laughs> he said something similar to that. <laughs> yeah, so... um one thing I'm quite good at and I find it is, I do tend to, I'll try and do the things methodically. Yeah. I won't just jump to the fun bits, if you know what I mean. Same with beat making, you know, it's about you, uh, it's kind of like DIY, you know, you've got to do the groundwork first. And mm. uh, yeah, it might be a bit more boring, but um, when you do it, you're building on solid foundations, you know what yeah. I mean? So um, yeah, that's basically was, was the planning. So once I had all those sort of 80 odd tracks in my folder, Then the fun began, you know, then it literally was just like, you know, putting this set together. And uh, I mean, I started off again. I started off just with the musical elements, more or less, just getting the music flow. I mean, obviously, if you haven't seen the video, I'll try and explain the video, shall I? Because people are probably wondering what the hell I'm on about.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll put some links in the show notes as well. Cool, cool. So what I tried to
1: do, I'm all about concepts and first of all when I was thinking I'd love to do a live cut and paste but then for it to be intricate and interesting enough I don't know if I could do it all one time you know what I mean it would just be like a DJ mix I thought what I really need is I need I need to clone myself I need to somehow lay the musical elements down and as with all good cut and pastes a lot of it is your vocal bits and your scratches Mm -hmm. and your acapellas and all, all, all your sound effects all that kind of stuff that you stick over the top so that's when I thought, well, let's try and do it as a back-to-back with myself. So, um, yeah, so the first stage, obviously, I had to do the musical bed. Um, so I had to basically create this this whole uh, journey. Journey, I hate that word, but <laughs> it was a journey. And um, once that was done, so I hadn't even at this point planned any of the... Uh, vocal bits there was a a couple of vocal bits i think i put in and sound effects only just so i could do the effective links between the tracks but on the whole i was just concerned with creating the music bed which a lot of it was looping chopping stuff up reprogramming uh doing all that kind of uh, wizardry stuff then when that was pretty much in the in the bag and i i get weeks of rehearsing it because then i was like am am i ever going to pull this off and um you know I, w- I was getting there but it's a lot of little notes and little notations on the serato of what i had to do because there was a lot of sort of pitch shit pitch movements i mean it took me back to the days of like you know the old battle mixing and but uh, yeah you know, obviously uh with with the aid of this tech- incredible technology so yeah did that then i had to record it so and of course had to do it at night time so everyone was uh, tucked up in bed and I think I was up to about four o'clock in the morning to be honest um, and eventually nailed it and I mean I think you see like the look of uh, <laughs> you know elation mm. when I actually nail finish finish the mix even even down to I had to rehearse sort of like a, a little hello and uh, at the end uh, so there is even like a few little actions you yeah. know for to make it it work. So then I had that to work with. Um, So I had the audio of that because, again, you know, I wanted the audio to be nice. So I was taking a direct uh, line out of the mixers and recording that. uh, So it was like a good quality mixer. So then I had the video footage and the the, the good quality audio, direct out audio. And then it was another, I don't know, few months working out all the scratches and the the sound effects and spoken word bits um and all the extra bells and whistles that i think was the left hand screen so uh so then i had to obviously i'd be playing it out i can't quite remember how i did it but i had it playing on the loudspeakers i think the main mix and i had the direct out of the mixer recording into another channel with all the bits that i was doing the extra bits and again probably three or four o'clock in the morning till i nailed it and uh you know as you can see it's all one long you know no edits uh that's
0: a lot of work
1: to go into one mix i know to be honest i was hoping it would go like stratospherically viral after all yeah. that and it's done well and it's got a lot of props and to be honest it it satisfies my itch but um yeah a bit like the star wars is it some of the things that i, I knock out quite quick will do really well and some of the things that have taken a lot more effort don't don't kind of get the reception but they're there you know it's all part of you know i've built up my channel and it's like i'm happy with uh with all the content on it really you know i've put a lot of you know i, I don't really I'm, a lot of youtubers uh famously it's just a thing on youtube to uh content 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 put it you know get as yeah. much up but i'm a little bit of the opposite actually i'm sort of uh i guess quality over
0: the quantity and just yeah but it, it's so interesting though to um to your point like when I had SoundCloud um my SoundCloud was doing all right at the time I, I was on about a quarter of a million plays I think which I think wasn't bad um mm. but it got taken off for copyright which but it is perfectly understandable because nothing on there was original.
1: Well, I was going to say you're doing quite well on SoundCloud to be done for copyright. Cause as far as I'm aware, they are one of the laxer platforms. It, it, it was all pretty obvious stuff. Okay, um,
0: <laughs> And like, yeah, like I'd find I'd slick. Cause like I, I was really into doing mashups at the time and I'd, I'd make these ones that I just, I just thought worked really, really well. And, and that I maybe thought were a bit clever as well. Um, in terms of key structure and things like that, mm-hmm. I just thought they'd work really well. But then there's another, you know, you could pull two two artists out of a hat. You could say, Naz, Jay-Z, Biggie in this hand, I don't know, The Police, Bob Marley, Madonna <laughs> in this hand, just mix them all up. And then whatever you do from that, spend 20 minutes doing it. It wouldn't have yeah. to all like come in on the one or anything. It could sound like shit. And you'd probably still get more listens to that and it's just like, oh, what's the point? So it can be really disheartening. Do you think, is that because of the calibre of the artist or do uh, you think
1: people are just searching those artists? I, I think
0: it's the concept and the familiarity oh, okay. with things like that. Yeah, yeah. People want to hear Justin Timberlake and Metallica or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, you can you could just uh, stick them on a dartboard or whatever, you know. Um <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's funny like that. So which are your rhythm roulette's your biggest? I mean cuz I know with your recent rhythm roulette that went great that was kind of 17,000 views overnight or something wasn't it? It was It yeah, it was very fast. It took off really quickly. But um, that's with having a trailer to it and stuff as well, wasn't it? You you know, there's there's a lot I built it up, yeah, built it up
1: quite as I said it's That's the thing. It's all very well working on a video, but then you're like, "Oh, now I've got to do all the promo yeah. and yeah." Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not particularly good at sort of, uh, bigging myself up sort of thing. So, uh, uh, but it's got to be done, you know, it's, uh, so teasers and all that, all that stuff It's great. Now that you, you know, you can do YouTube premieres, which are good, you know, they, they bring people in. I think, I mean, I do a lot of sort of, uh, watching other YouTubers talking about how to hack the algorithms and all that. So I, I try to sort of, you know, take on a bit of that and mm. take that on board and, I think it's – I mean, the thing at the moment now it seems to be it's less about subscribers, numbers. It's just literally about engagement and how long you can keep people right on watching. And, you know, if you can do longer-form videos and they stay on board, then your stuff goes right up to the top, you know. Right. So I think I kind of do all right in that because, as I said, I, I try and, you know, I'll, I'll spend time editing the videos to make them as punchy and – uh yeah and i try and make them as short as possible but not always possible depending on what i'm trying to uh, communicate but still waiting for the you know the big but I, I guess with the original rhythm roulette i mean that's definitely obviously the best performing one that i've got by yeah. far but then that's been up for years but then that's slowly that one's always it's like if you were to plot a timeline that's just sort of slowly keeps on mm. going and i get you know i'll get four or five comments a week from that one um
0: have you got just on rhythm roulette have you got any particular favorites good question good question i like eric sermons this was good mm. it,
1: not it wasn't that rated but i like what he did because he he did flip something that was pretty dodgy if i remember rightly i don't think i've seen his that's uh, a good one uh oh man there is oh, There's a couple of absolute bangers i'm trying to remember them the Just
0: Blaze one was pretty good. I'm a huge Just yeah. Blaze fan. Um, yeah, yeah, that that one's really – because he's like – what I think's cool with that one as well – apologies, listeners, we're getting kind of pretty down a hole here, but there's <laughs> basically – there's an amazing beat-making video series called Rhythm Roulette on YouTube where people will find three random records in a shop and then go and try and make the best beat they can out of one, two, or all of them. Um in their own way. But yeah. So when just blazed does his, he's got kind of, I don't know, probably like a group of college kids behind him watching, hasn't he? And, and yeah, he did it like live. So yeah, I think that's really, really cool. But he's, he's a really interesting guy, but r- oh, really mate. knows his engineering as well. Doesn't he?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, you know, for a noughties onward producer, he's probably done some of the, my favorite beats, you know? Um, yeah. He's, he's very, very impressive uh, producer. I'm just really trying to remember the one I, I like the psycho Les one, uh from the Beat because I like Les. He's a um yeah, he's a good chap and
0: I, He pulls I, it. It's a very beat nutsy beat as exactly, well. Exactly. I, yeah, I yeah. know what he
1: like. He likes a quirky like me, he likes quirky kids' records and that kind of stuff. So and he found mm. and he made yeah, somehow he found something that was totally his sound. <laughs> yeah. And it was, yeah, just made me smile. Uh, he wasn't the most sophisticated one, but... Uh, but beats don't need to be. They don't need to be, no, no. Um, and let's face it, you don't have much choice uh, if you're on the rhythm roulette. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. You often don't have much to play with. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to think, there was, obviously, I run everyone mentions the
0: uh ninth wonder one I mean he did a good old... yeah he was pretty good. It's just really good to see different people's processes I think hundred percent And yeah, see yeah. how they get those nuanced sounds yeah exactly i mean i i mean I think if I ever got really unstuck
1: i mean I was the the two that I've done um I've been you know I've done all right with the with the fines um mm. but uh yeah if I really came unstuck I guess yeah, what could you do you could extract some stuff oh no I'd probably use a technique that I uh, yeah I would definitely employ the Melodyne technique which is one of the last videos I did where I've t- took a really terrible sample um it was some German sort of umper pub music um mm. traditional umper music and um yeah you can change the actual scale so you can turn it into like a minor scale um oh wow yeah, I don't know if you check that video. It's a yeah, a bit of fun. I was basically trying to find the worst bit of music I could find. I was going to use the theme tune for the Ar- from the archers, which I still might do. Um, but yeah, something like that. And uh, so if you, you can take something in a sense that's happy, chirpy, and you can make it sound moody, like a Mob Deep sample or something, and you can even sort of make it sound like you can turn it into sort of Turkish scales or uh, Japanese kind of you know scales that it's it's amazing yeah so i would probably do that you know if it, i would definitely call upon the modern technology to save me so I, I yeah i'm pretty confident you know
0: yeah and how many of the sort of going on to your tutorials then how many of those have you done now i mean not a huge amount to be honest you know i should be doing
1: more um which is the plan you know i'm definitely uh I, i've got i've got a big game plan hopefully that will enable me to do a lot more tutorials and mate i think i just need to do sort of more shorter one i'm going to plan on doing some like bite-sized barry uh vids where i'll just focus on a little technique or something nice. rather than just a full full-fledged beat but uh yeah I, i'm not sure mate i got off the top of it yeah
0: it's got to be about I don't
1: know, seven or eight nine ten
0: maybe not... amazing and um I know we're kind of going going around here but the thing that I really wanted to get into with you on this episode is is kind of the latest thing you've been doing which is the the ultimate fakes um compilations which are homage to the ultimate breaks and it's, so it's basically royalty free um drum loops isn't it yeah with a heavy nod to some amazing drum loops of the past
1: uh-huh yeah I mean that's my me latest thing uh yeah looking into kind of uh sample packs are a massive thing so i was thinking you know let's let's have a go and i'd started experimenting with uh trying to think when i first started experimenting with plugins when i moved from the MPC over to me mac pro so about 2016 17 around then i got the contact native Instruments. Complete and the contact, which had all these amazing instruments, and it had the Abbey Road Mm. drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, on their own, they sounded okay. But, uh, as soon as you start adding lots of different saturation and started griming, getting them sounding really grimy, they were actually sounding like old brakes. And I was like, wow, you know, this is incredible, you know, uh, after all these years of digging for these breaks and paying probably above the odds for you know four bars mm. of drums off a record which again all you can really do is chop those four bars up and you're stuck with what you got it's like no I can actually uh I can travel back in time now and I'm uh, you know put myself in a dusty Detroit uh, recording studio circa 1972 and come up with my own breaks. so yeah started experimenting with that as well as other keyboard instruments and was getting some good results i mean a lot of it is kind of i'd say it's 80 percent the instruments and then 20 percent the processing so it's a combination yeah. of uh processing and i i guess around this time the last sort of 15 20 odd years people have started making records that mimic like old recordings you know yeah uh, from the dap kings and you know uh, poets rhythm all those people have started coming through making incredible records that just do sounds. some of them just like 100% nail that old sound. But obviously, mm. they're all using the the same old analog equipment, tape. So to my knowledge, you know, no one was really doing it fully in the computer, you know, and I was thinking, well, yeah. and it was never, it wasn't even getting talked about, you know, people weren't even sort of, it wasn't a thing. But uh, yeah, from those early sort of Abbey Road drum experiments and sort of being quite impressed and then sort of, Native instrument had some really great bass guitars. So then you started building the bass up. There's a, yeah. um, my favorite is the Rickenbacker bass, which is the classic kind of KPM music library sounding bass. You know, I started playing that with the bass, with the drums. Mm. And I guess it sounded like an old library record, you know, and I'm not doing that much to it. So uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was
0: a game changer. When we were discussing your library record, over email before i had the call and you mentioned to me that it was all done in the box that really really surprised me
1: yeah i mean a lot of people can't really spot can't tell the difference you know and uh i mean i've homed it I, i've definitely sort of the more i'm i've got quite a few new plugins that add even more realism and i think mean, i'm just constantly learning i mean my my main problem with it is <laughs> i can't really read or play music particularly um it's like it's all ear and it's all doing things sort of just one one bar at a time laying stuff down i'm trying to there's a few little things i'm using a few tools that are helping me out i use a lot of midi extraction yeah so yeah i'm just embracing all the technology um that i can to help me but at the end of the day i'll just labor over something is you know i'm not the quickest at doing at replaying stuff and interpolating things but uh yeah get there in the end um but, yeah, the sounds are there. Obviously, with things like keyboard sounds with clavinets and harpsichords and electric pianos and organs, they're always going to sound pretty convincing. So there was never an issue sort of, you know, getting... I mean, I've always been able to, you know, even when I was doing mainly sample, all the sample-based stuff, I could still play... I was still playing keys over the top, those kind of keys. Yeah, and and yeah. they'd sound good. They'd always sit well. But, but things like brass instruments and woodwinds, you know, never sounded good, you know, back in the days, you know, when... Think about the early noughties, you know. Even you'd have the Korg Tritons and the Trinities and Neptune's beats. You know, they yeah. were great for what they were, but did they sound like old records? Were they particularly convincing? Not, not necessarily. <laughs> no. You know, they had their sound, but um yeah, they weren't. They
0: weren't the most convincing. So I think what was interesting with those though was a because it took me a while to get into Neptunes and stuff like that. I mean, that that kind of era in general, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff where, in retrospect, I think it's aged really well, a lot yeah. better than a lot of the stuff I would have been into at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but with what the Neptunes did, it's kind of like, right, we're not trying to make this sound like anything real. They just yeah. went kind of headfirst into that because they like chopped the decay off all the snares and things, didn't they, to have this really just really different sound. Yeah, I mean they do they knew what they wanted, they knew what
1: they were doing. Um mm. and yeah, I mean I compared to, I'm not, I'm not going to name some other producers at the time, but I think they were the ones that really took it uh, took it to the next level and just had to find their own little sound. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, got to give them props for that. Uh, as I said, they weren't trying to recreate break, shall we say. They they just they were doing keyboard beats for the sake of i think originally it was just really for the sake of uh not having to clear samples and just sort of trying to do original stuff that yeah. just had a different sound it was more space agey a bit more futurist futurism sort of sound uh but yeah i think you're right it does a lot of it does age really well um
0: and yeah add a good energy to it uh just rolling back then with the fact that you've kind of got towing dj and and in beat making well more than a toe you're kind of pretty heavy into both have you got any key advice for a dj who can't read or write music who wants to start making their own beats like just that kind of first step into it to start because it because it can seem there's so many different pieces of software and pieces of hardware you can use now so many different ways to approach it Mm -hmm. is there any kind of fundamental advice you would give them yes i i mine i'd say the the first bit of advice i give
1: anyone is before you make any music before you get a door turn anything on work out what you like what 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 does it for you you know what make a list of your top five producers you know what are they doing what what are they doing that that you like in particular you know if it's sample based music what sort of samples are people using that you like what are the samples that relate to you you know you like do you like the jazzy mellow stuff you like the hard proggy stuff you you like melodic stuff you like sort of more just stripped down stuff you know i mean i can't tell someone what they like you know i can't i can only sort of i've got my own sound my own musical taste um but you know everyone should really just do music for yourself at the end of the day you know know, that's your fundamental thing you've got to enjoy doing it and you've got to just do stuff that makes you happy that you want to listen back to you've got to make try and aim for the mute sort of music that you'd want someone else to make you know you you're going to make yourself so um yeah just search search inside yourself you know you know there might even be like old songs that you've always loved you know like you know Not a guilty pleasure of such, but you know, there might be, you know, you always like that classic, you know, JB's track or a of the gang track. Well go chop it up, have some fun, you know. See if you can get make something out of it. Just just rather than just following a trend or thinking, oh that's that's the thing that's hot at the moment, or you know, I gotta I better put some eight oh eights on it, you know. If that's not your thing, don't don't do it. Just do do Mm. you know. I think famously that's what most people that have broken through and made a big music career, they always say, like, you know, the the thing that really uh, did well is the thing that I just sort of did what I wanted to do, you know, and what the thing I wasn't expecting to to
0: necessarily blow up. So uh, I suppose that's the thing you're going to have more energy to maintain doing as well, aren't you, if it's the thing that you're just really into? Well,
1: yeah, if you think about it, especially when you're learning, it's not going to be a quick, it's not like you're going to be able to bash a beat out in five minutes unless of course you're Mm. just using sample packs or so you know pre-made loops. which again if 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 you enjoy doing that and if you again if you're doing that nothing wrong with it but spend some time trying to search for those samples that really are like you know, I call them the scrunch face samples, the ones that really hit you, you know, and uh, mm. emotionally sort of connect with you. So, you know, if you're finding those samples, uh, especially if you're starting off, you know, I mean, I, I would suggest not necessarily uh, trying to emulate, you know, a sophisticated, just blaze beat, you know, when you're starting off. Just, just get some sample loops, put them together, experiment a bit. You know, we all got to start somewhere, and just learning about bars and just basic structure. Is is a, is a building block. I mean, because it can be very demoralizing, you know, if you're instantly getting into the game just to try and you know, emulate Doctor Dre or something. It's not going to happen overnight, and you're only going to be, you know, you're on a hide into nothing in, in a sense. Because yeah, I know, just look at, check out YouTube videos. You know, study the producers you like. You know, because a lot of them will be talking about their process. Just just yeah. really embrace it, and uh, yeah, be eager to learn learn the technology and again with technology you can pretty much most things you can learn on YouTube there'll be a tutorial somewhere although to be fair one of the inspirations for me getting into making videos was when I first moved over to Ableton a very good friend Shadow Key he he was on it for years and uh, yeah he got me into the basics of it But then as far as me wanting to be able to really quickly chop up samples almost on the fly, which is always, to to me, the dream. And uh, when I got into that, I made it my mission to really crack it. And eventually uh, I I found like an add-on that would enable me to do it. Um, And basically I just press a key and that will put a sample start point so I can do it live and just over like the course of maybe you know a year of really getting busy you know just deciding i'm going to crack this and make this the quickest sample chopping workflow that i can i can come up with there were no real good videos showing me how to chop up samples into loads of bits really quickly Um, i think there probably are a few more now but uh, at the time there weren't any Uh, it was really frustrating and there'd be ones and they'd be chopping up like something really basic, like a Herbie Hancock sample that's been sampled to death and they'd be, you know, looping it and chopping it into quarter bars. And that was it. You know, they weren't telling me like step by step. And I was thinking there's no really good hip hop based uh, tutorials that are telling me sort of the real kind of proper chopping up and sample manipulation. Even though, as I said, it's not even that sophisticated, but, you know, I wanted to show how kind of once you get the basics how sort of easy it is and you don't have to kind of you know uh, worry too much so yeah that kind of inspired me i thought well once i've cracked it i'll try and share it and funny enough even though i did other videos where i kind of talked about different techniques only like a year or so ago um i did I did one at work which is on there so if you search ableton sample chopping you'll find one of me a little way down and yeah, if anyone is getting into Ableton and wants a nice workflow for chopping samples really quickly, I kind of break it down and, yeah, demonstrate it quite clearly, I think, as clearly as, clearly as I could. So hopefully that will save people a lot of pain
0: that I went through. Um, I think I need that one because I've not seen that one, but it could be really... really yeah, because that's something that I like about the MPC that I've got. I've got the MPC live and just the doing the chopping on the fly. Yeah. But, yeah, if you've got that and it's more dexterous to... Um, to then recorrect afterwards then happy days yeah i mean
1: there's basically there's like two methods really and it depends on your sample source yeah you can chop it by beat increments so you warp it perfectly on time and then it'll chop it into either quarter bar eighth bars whatever equal in, in in increments which is quite a good way of chopping or if, for instance, your sample is maybe more some sort of less rhythmic, lots of little sounds and stuff, and you just want to get all those little sounds, then, yeah, the, doing it on the fly, pressing the key down every time you want to put in a slice point. Like yeah, because
0: I do the clicking the markers, and it is a, a laborious task. Where's the best place for people to get you then? Is it on the YouTube?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. You can check me out uh, on YouTube. My channel is under the Cy Specs channel. All my videos are on there.
0: I guess it's good, to, it's good to kind of join forces for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sort of content amplification, isn't it? Uh-huh. And you've
0: got my Bandcamp as well,
1: Barry Beats, a.k.a. Specs, so
0: Yeah, no idea what a.k.a. stands for, but it sounds good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the other thing, which has been a long time in the in the making, and a lot of people have been on my case over the last uh, well, years, saying, yeah, Barry, you have go, got to do a Patreon." So, uh finally, uh putting into a plan. But the thing is, with me, I didn't want to just you know put like a begging bowl and ask for money for nothing. So, I wanted to basically come up with something that would be a really good value offering. So. For me, because I, I mean, it's, it's amazing the fact you know I'm always like, the thing it keeps me going is the incredible support and the the, the the people seem to really love and embrace all the stuff I'm doing. So, this is hopefully an opportunity. So what I'm, the way it's kind of work going to work in a sense, and this is maybe I don't know, probably a bit optimistic, but uh, I'm going to be uh, instigating something. I'm 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 working title operation p45 the main aim is to become self-sufficient to uh, you know do it full-time which is going to be magic because all i want to be able to do really is fulfill my potential as a music making producer sharing my knowledge putting my beats out there and being as creative as possible but uh as everyone knows you know time is limited i've got a lot of responsibilities and one of the main ones is me nine to five so if i can supplement that earning through patreon i know it's a massive ask but i do have uh because when i was originally thinking of it, oh, it's never gonna happen you know i'm gonna need hundreds and hundreds of patrons to be able to do that but then i suddenly thought well quite a few people in the past have asked me uh, about whether i offer any lessons or anything like that so what i'm also going to be offering as part of my patreon uh, tiers is going to be a top tier where you will get like an hour, hour or more mentorship or personal video tuition. So that option is there as a sort of a a high end sort of £100 plus offering. But, you know, you'll get my 100% committed uh, support there uh, with your music making. So, I mean, I've got so many uh, other plans. I'm going to be doing like a month, uh, a weekly live stream which i'm planning at the moment which will be every sunday i'll be live streaming for quite, you know three or four four hours in the evening either making a beat playing through old records having friends around playing just basically hanging out with me in the studio having fun you know i might be looking at a technique going through a few different techniques might just be might have a musician round so loads of ideas for fun stuff we can do for that every month i'll be doing an exclusive sample composition so you get a royalty free sample which will be like a a full composition like a kind of library old funk record or whatever it's going to be four tiers there'll be the two pound introductory one where you still get like uh, access to one or two of the live streams a week uh, a month sorry then the next one you get the sample the one up from that You'll get the sample and all the stems and lots of other little things. Oh, you also get a little card sent to your address uh, with a badge, a Barry badge. I've got they'll be coming in the post soon. I'm waiting for me, Barry badge. So your chance to uh basically, yeah, help me out. Operation P45 for anyone who will be supporting me before p45 is hopefully a uh, resounding success you'll become a member of barry's black squadron now the black squadron is a a unique a, you know a unique opportunity to become uh, either a foot soldier a corporal sergeant or commander in chief depending on your tier so uh, yeah that that's that's the plan and obviously if you support me at this stage you know you you'll still get uh some good rewards it'll be a good i'll be offering some good value but the objective is to do it full-time and then there'll be videos there'll probably be more barry content than you actually want in your life so uh, <laughs> yeah if i could you know that's the thing if i could be doing this full-time you know the amount of interesting things i could be doing yeah i'd be doing loads of stuff
0: so it'd be loads of videos and yeah,
1: that's the plan, anyway, man.
0: Great stuff. Well, yeah. Once it once that's all up and running, let me know, and we'll be sure to share it out on the um, on the socials. I appreciate that, man. Amazing. Um, I really enjoyed chatting to you and catching up today. Yeah, it's been fun. And I'm going to be getting some more of the ultimate fakes as well. I think I got one of them, one of the albums. So I'm going to be getting more of them for sure. Yeah, we're up to four now. So
1: yes, and uh, again, it's like uh, a combination of you've got classic breaks you know your apaches and you know, take me to the mardi gras and mm. all, all those things are in there and i've kind of basically they're the ones that take the longest is because i'm trying my best to get as close as i can using uh well addictive drums is probably my favorite one that i use uh you know Abbey Road a little bit but uh addictive drums is incredible so the amount of manipulation you can do on that is uh yeah anyone looking to get into this i would strongly recommend check out addictive drums um for drum manipulation and making fake breaks basically uh but uh yeah until you get that check out my uh my sample kits because there's one shots as well on there so you know you can um, fill your boots and make your own ones but uh yeah so there'll be there's original ones on there there's uh my cloned uh classic breaks um but yeah check them out if you're after drums. awesome And they're cheap. They're you know five or each, or a little more if you're feeling generous.
0: Great stuff. Right. Thanks very much for your time, Barry. Yeah. Thank you, mate. Most appreciated. Take care, mate. Catch you later.